Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Correnti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all the support, as always. Not going to spend too long on any sort of intro tonight because I have about an hour-long conversation or so with Seth Keller. Seth does excellent work for Gridiron Experts, NFL Draft Bible, host of uh, uh, Gridiron Experts Fantasy Facts podcast, so make sure to check all that stuff out. Seth plugs it in the podcast itself, but I wanted to have Seth on because he is the first person I know of to kind of champion why median points per game rather than using season-long finishes or average points per game uh, should really be used and taken more into context when talking about a player's consistency throughout the fantasy season. So there's really, really great stuff in there. We're going to get right into it. Uh, If you're new here, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review, rating five stars. That stuff is very important and much, much appreciated. And if you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter where all the news about the show comes out as well as anything else that I have coming uh, on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. So appreciate all the support as always. We're going to jump right into this conversation with Seth. All right. Joining me on today's episode of the podcast is Seth Keller. Seth does excellent work for Gridiron Experts, NFL Draft Bible. He's a bit of a spreadsheet, Google Sheet wizard. Seth, I appreciate you taking the time to, to come on with me, man. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. Um, I prefer Google Sheets Sorcerer. Um, <laughs> this is the way I like to roll. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing doing a lot with that. Uh, I have my podcast um, through Gridiron Experts, which is the Fantasy Facts, F-A-Q-S. Um, yeah, uh, also working with Debbie, uh, Debbie Deep Dive now uh working on an analytics project with them which is going to be super cool uh and like you said gridiron experts and nfl draft bible are kind of my go-to spots uh where i put out you know a weekly article with um gridiron experts looking at running back by commute committee uh and then if you ever check out the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated website. Uh, you'll see a whole bunch of interactive um, tables and things like that. That's uh, that's that's pretty much all my doing. So uh, really excited about being able to do all those different things, and really excited to be here tonight. I'm I'm thrilled. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I, any of those interactive things on the Draft Bible site, like anytime I go in or like adjust my rankings or look at the ADP stuff, I'm like. I don't even know how this works. I'm glad it works, but I don't even know how it works. It's so far above my my brain waves. I feel like, but you do awesome stuff with it. That's for sure. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I t- <laughs> well, I, you saying that literally just makes me think of like yesterday. I taught my kids the, like the thumb magic trick, where you like hide your thumb <laughs> in this hand and like do this, and they're <laughs> and it like blew their mind for like two minutes, and then they're like, "Now nah, you're screwing with us, man." Um, and they're they're five. Um, and that's what I that's what I feel people when they like see some of the stuff I do with spreadsheets. That's what they're they see is like. It's not as imp- I know it's not as impressive as it looks, but right now my mind is blown for these two minutes. <laughs> no, no joke, and not to get totally off the rails, but anytime I go in and adjust my dynasty rankings for Draft Bible, I'm like, all right, don't accidentally delete the whole sheet. Like, don't mess anything up. <laughs> Make sure I sort it right. Go, let's let's go. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry, I didn't give you enough power to do that. You can't you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's I just need to be, you know, in the in the trust tree. Just I have just enough power. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, today I want to talk about an excellent article that you put out on Draft Bible, and you're the the champion of this cause for why median yes. points per game is yes. the correct metric to use to to measure fantasy football success. And honestly, like I never really thought about it until you had initially brought it up or whatever, whenever the first time I heard you bring it up was. And then when you read it and like really think about it, it's like, why are we doing this any other way? (laughs) Yeah. I like, honestly, I think, I think part of it is twofold, right? Um, One is there are more, there's a lot more statistics and applied statistics that you can do with average. Right. But the problem is those usually require a really large sample size and a, and a normal sample size too. So like, if you're talking about like, Oh, what's the average height of Americans? Like you're going to have a very normal distribution of heights in America. And that's why it works out where you can go, all right, well, here's the standard deviations here. We can run a, a we can do a Z score or get a T score, or, you know, all, all the real fancy statistics that you probably took in college and, you know, drank your stuff half through most of the, the course. <laughs> and that's okay. It, it, a lot of that deals with average. What we're, what I want to get to is the fact that like median is, has a lot of the same types of things, but it works better for fantasy football. And that's, that's what the whole article about is about is like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to slowly take you from where you are of, and not you like, you know, specifically, but like, no, me I want to take people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take people from like, all right, this is how we've looked at it over the past couple of years. And then we got a little bit better and then we got a little bit better, but here's how we can get even better. And there, and, and, a, you know, maybe a few more years, we might get a little bit better on top of that. And that's, that's what I'm, all about is like, how do we keep taking those steps to get better and better and better? And I think median points per game is that next step. Yeah. I think it's a really excellent point that I think a lot of people probably never really considered because there's like a comfortability of saying like, this guy finished as the RB 12, this guy finished as the RB 10, but it's really, the thing that's crazy is we say those things or we write those things or tweet those Mm -hmm. things because it's what you're used to. But people will do it or say it or regurgitate it knowing like, okay, this isn't really indicative of what happened. Like it happens every year, right? Like yeah. whatever it was, uh, maybe not last year or two years ago, whenever Aaron Jones finished as like the RB2, people were like, well, it didn't really feel that good like throughout the whole year, right? Because there was a couple monster games and then some disappearing acts. But it's just funny that you kind of do what's comfortable. And I think probably for a lot of people, and not to say, I'm not saying I, cause I kind of thought about it this way initially where math ain't my, you know, strong suit, I would say. So I hear median points per game. And honestly, my initial reaction without like before reading into it any further is like, how's that any different? <laughs> and uh, yeah. like, it obviously very much is, but I guess, I guess the biggest point is people have definitely shifted from, you know, using like the the rb10 or the rb12 finish kind of line to average points per game so median points per game i think definitely does feel like the next logical step and i think the more you can get out there about it you know it'll just get easier and easier 
Yeah. And so I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I, I'm going to, let me backtrack a second. Cause I was about to go on another chat, another tangent, but I'm not going to get there yet. All right. So <laughs> you, you were talking about uh, the RB like 10 and things like that. So that's actually, it's, that's helpful in the sense that it provides everybody a very set, like here's where they finished mm-hmm. like that, that, that is helpful. Still like it's, matters. it's okay. Yeah, it does. Because it's like, this person scored 250 fantasy points because they were the RB10. Or, and that's actually probably a little high for RB10. Um, I think, who was it? Um, I think Chubb was the RB10 or 11. Um, and he had like just uh, just over 200. Um, 250 is usually like a top six RB. But that that's helpful, right? Yeah. Knowing those things is helpful because it gives you a frame of reference. And, you know, it's, I don't want to... I don't want to like poo poo all over the people that are like, well, this guy was the RB six. Like he's better than the guy that was in the RB seven. And it's like, yes, to a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. You are correct. The RB six is better than the RB seven. Now, what I try and do is I try and think about like, what does that actually mean for your team? And that's what other people are doing when they're saying, all right, well, what's the, what were their points per game? Mm-hmm. Because now that takes it one, that provides that little bit more context because just saying that they were the RB seven and they, they were the RB six, that doesn't provide much context except for they had this final score. Medi- um, mean or average points per game is simply adding one more little piece of context, and that's how many games did they play. And this is why you're not taking it that much further. And the people that are like, we should get rid of he was the RB6 and replace it with points per game because points per game, average points per game is so much better. And it's like, but you're not untethered from the total points per game because to calculate the average you're just taking the total, yeah. which you apparently you're you're saying you hate, and then dividing it by the number of games. So you didn't. Yes, you took it a step further, but you took it like a baby step further. And so, as much as I'm like, yeah, I agree. Points, average points per game is better than total points over a season because it provides that little bit more context. In the article, I talk a little bit about you know Kareem Hunt versus Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is one of my favorites this year because his median points per game is so good. And so when we get to median points per game, what we're looking at is a lot more straightforward and saying like median is the point at which 50% of the games is above that number and 50% of the games is below that number. And so, and this is this is for you, Anthony. When people are saying like, "Oh, I'm not a math person," and I and I I deal with this all the time. I've had principals, and it drives me crazy. I work in schools, and I've had principals say and say in front of kids too, which is like another like real sticking point. Like, "Oh, I'm not a math person," and you're just like making it acceptable for little kids to be like, "No, nah, sorry, math teacher, I'm not a math person." Miss <laughs> Principal said she's not, so I'm not neither, and it's like. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Miss Principal, for kind of screwing me over in my job trying to teach math. <laughs> um, but it, it is it's it's a little stuff further, and it's but it's not difficult, right? right. It's the it's the same stuff that you're doing. It's it's basically middle school math. In middle school math, you have to learn um, very basic statistics, and uh, part of that is learning measures of center. 
you've you you know this. It's the three M's. Go ahead, Anthony. Get it. Three M's. What are they? Uh, well, median, right? Mm-hmm. Mean. Mm-hmm. Mode. Mm. Nailed it. Good job. Look at nailed it. Shout out Pocono um, Mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. So those are your measures of center, and they all have a purpose for being a measure of center. And so average and mean and mode are super helpful when you look at a normal curve. And this is really, um, you know, I, I tried to really illustrate that in the article, is that when you look at a normal curve or a normal distribution, it forms that nice, pretty little bell curve, right? But what happens is almost everything in almost everything that people are involved in are not perfect normal curves, right? You usually have some form of skewing to the top or the bottom. And what that means is that you're going to end up with your average always being in the center because you're adding everything up and then dividing by the total that you have or the total number that you have. Whereas your median will shift and stay closer to whatever your large, wherever your data is skewed towards. And pause there for a second. Go ahead and hit me with questions. So I think that the 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 perfect example of this, like as I was reading through your article, which is excellent, and if mm-hmm. anybody hasn't read it, si.com backslash NFL backslash draft, shameless plug. But <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> is the is the example of Tyler Lockett. Like mm-hmm. it's the perfect example of how this went down last yeah. year because you like you're seeing it now already of people be like, oh well, Tyler Lockett and points per game, you know, average points per game last year. And I rostered Tyler Lockett a lot of places and it didn't feel as good as <laughs> as people are touting that average points per game. So yeah. reading that was when I really was like, oh, okay. I get it. Like, I get why this should be better. But I think a bigger thing that, especially in, like, hive mind Twitter, where, like, everybody's Mm -hmm. just, this is what I do, and this is how I'm going to do it. And, like, the, what feels like probably centuries-old film versus analytics war that, you know, our our children (laughs) will all carry on against each other. But it's, no, exactly. You will get better. You will get better. (laughs) We need to, because this is a marriage. This is a (laughs) <laughs> marriage, marriage is what brings us together today. It's a perfect shout out to anybody that can that can like uh, that can that can hear that and be like, I know that movie because you're definitely in your 30s or older, also. But it really is like the perfect example of why these things both matter, right? Like the numbers, looking at them in this context or in this you know new context or newer context combined with like you can watch Tyler Lockett play football and know that he's a good football player but there's a big difference in I think just kind of taking that average like we've done forever versus looking at it in a way that really provides more context to how that how that all happened or how he ended up where he ended up right and that's and and that's what I I feel that median points per game and and what I'll be putting out in another article probably sometime over the summer is looking at something called interquartile ranges and that's going to that's going to take take everybody to another step right but 
what it does is it takes that you've mentioned it twice now. It takes the feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what people that's what people like real that's what people use to internalize things. And this is this is so much um, like a, an education background, right? You, you ask any teacher, you know, have you ever heard the quote? Um, you know, a teacher, you know, oh god, I'm killing, I'm ruining the quote, damn it! But it's something <laughs> along the lines of they won't remember what you taught them, but they'll remember how you made them feel, right? Right, and that. That is so true to the education experience. And and when you're playing fantasy football, you may not feel like you're learning, but you're learning. Mm -hmm. You're learning. God damn it. I put Tyler Lockett in my lineup again, and he scored 10 points. (laughs) Where's this 50-point game? You know what? I'm going to put him in the bench because now he has a tough defense to play against, and he's probably going to get shut down. And so I'm going to put him on my bench because I have this other guy that I think is going to do a goddamn it. Tyler Lockett just went off. <laughs> oh, what was I thinking? And those feelings that you're learning through all of those processes. And so that's where, like you're saying, those feelings, those feelings are now being coming ingrained. And what I feel median allows you to do is it allows you to kind of pull out a little bit more that uh, mean point per games uh, or average points per game doesn't allow you to do because the average for Tyler Lockett uh, is way higher than his median. Um, and so, yeah, it was that like, right I'm there. looking at it in your article now is average points per game was almost 17 and the median points per game was just under 11. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's the difference in wins and losses a lot of weeks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's no, going to be blowouts in there, but seven points yeah. is a significant that, enough margin that it matters. That's a typical tight end week. Like yeah. <laughs> facts. <laughs> right? Like you're ha- you're happy if your tight end scored seven points. Like that right there is the difference. I, I just came off with that one off the top of the dome. Like that's <laughs> that's Tyler Lockett's difference in median points per game and his and his um mean points per game or average points per game was a tight end's performance on a week. And so you know, that helps you kind of really pull the thing out of like, all right, yeah, he has some games where he's going to, you know, put up some monster points. But what is typical? His typical game is 11 points because by definition, median tells you that 50% of his games are below that number and 50% of his games are above that number. By definition, it has to be true, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whereas, whereas average points per game, and this is something that I'm doing on my spreadsheets, which eventually I, I promise everybody I will get them out there for mass consumption. I'm just trying to go through and find tooth comb them before I put them out there. I probably don't need to do that. I'll let everybody else find the errors and then go back and then fix them. That's usually better anyways. Cause then people use log the sorcerer. In like, you're hat, a, man. Use you're the- a dummy. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't please everybody, but whatever. Um, so, like, what I do with the, the average points per game is I put in there, well, how many games above average did they have? Mm-hmm. Tyler, Tyler Lockett was in the 30s. Yeah. So only 30% of his games were above his average, where by definition, median points per game tells you which games are above, right? Or, or 50% of his games are above. And so that really helps you kind of hone in on like, what can I expect in a typical week? Can I expect 17 points a game in a typical week? His, his average points per game? 
No, you can't expect that from Tyler Lockett because he had three big blow-up games and then the vast majority of games well below that that average. And, you know, even median, he had – he played in all – I think it was all 15 um, – you know, fantasy games. That's the way I do it. I don't count week 17, which I'll have to change that for the upcoming season. But um, I, I only count fantasy relevant games. And out of those 15 games, you know, he played, he played in all of them and he only had 50% of his games. Of, and I think it was what it was a 10.9 was the exact yeah, number, right? 10. Like, 9. you know, that's, that's really telling to know that 50% of his games are going to be below 10 points, below 11 points. Yeah. If you're starting him as your wide receiver three and he's only getting 11 points, you're probably, you're probably in a rough spot. I think that last, like that one of those last things you said really like encapsulates why this is so interesting and should be important moving forward is because I don't think it has to be, like most metrics or like, you know, any statistic, I don't think any one of them is like the like be all end all replacement. But I think it tells mm-hmm. like a really important piece of the story that it's really it really makes you think about it differently when you say, OK, 50 percent of his games were under that number. Right. Because yeah. that sounds like that really gives you the pause to to stop and be like, OK, that's not it's a guy that gets consistently treated like a wide receiver too, you know, most places. And realistically, that ain't it. You know what I mean? Like like you said, even expecting that kind of production out of your wide receiver three, if it's a start three format or in a you know, a flex spot, it's really, you know, inherently more risky than I think the numbers of the average or the fantasy finish would really, you know, tell the story of. And mm-hmm. I think if you can add it into people's like workflow or just process of, you know, even if it's honestly, even if it's like the last thing people get to, like, I think it's fine to even work through the other stuff that maybe you're more familiar with. Okay. Here's where he finished. Here's where the average was. But then when you get to the end and it's like, Oh, like it's just another reason to kind of crank it one step further. But the one thing I'm interested in, I meant to ask you earlier, as you were working through all of this, is what was wide receiver like the most jarring position or was it something else where it was like, Oh, the median was much more different than what the, the average was. It, it actually goes through all the positions and, and, and I use the, I use median, um, m- median to average difference, uh, as a way for me to be able to like pinpoint discrepancies. Right. So, and, and Tyler Lockett's is, He's he's actually one of the first articles I ever wrote um, was on like I think it was a WordPress that I created for myself something like five years ago. Um, And so he's always kind of had a special spot and it kind of feels bad that like I'm kind of ripping him apart in the article. Um, but he's always had like a special, special spot for me. And like five years ago before Tyler Lockett was like Tyler Lockett, I wrote an article that was, uh, why I traded a third for Tyler Lockett. And because most people were like, Oh my God, he's just a nobody. And I was like, but look at if, and it was very much like, look at what he did in this set of games and the, like how he performed in the games where he hit, hit these numbers. And so, 
without going too far down a tangent, Tyler Lockett just pops out yeah. in that kind of format, right? And sure. looking at median versus average. And last year was even more of a, a standout season for that. Um, there's guys that stand out in running backs, quarterbacks. I haven't, I'm a little behind my schedule, but I haven't done tight ends yet, but I have three, I have three years worth of data that I've been collecting. Um, that kind of, that started just as a consistency project. Right. Like I wanted to know like, well, how many games do they have as an RB one? And I didn't like, I didn't like the way that people were calculating RB ones because it was like, well, just because he scored top 12 in that week doesn't mean he'd be a normal weekly RB1. Sure. So how helpful is it to be like, well, in a normal week, he would have been an RB15, but because there was five buys yeah. uh, or 14th on buy or whatever, he actually he finished as the RB12 that week. So I started off doing that because I didn't like the, I didn't like the way that people were doing um, you know calculating consistency so it started as that and as I started digging deeper it was going well I have all the the, the weekly um, uh, finishes for them and and not just weekly finishes but like weekly um, point totals for them let me see what happens if I start plugging them into like box and whisker graphs which you know, some people may have painful memories from middle school about that also. And that's okay. We'll, we'll slow, we'll slowly talk through that. You can lay down on the couch and we can, we can slowly <laughs> so that's talk. That's going to work us we'll all get, back we'll get, into math. We're back, baby. We're, we're, yeah, we're back. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll be all right. Um, but yeah, it was that kind of like process going through. And, and so like wide receivers, like having played wide receiver, um, you know, at the, at the high school level, I, I, tried walking on to college and I think I probably would have made it if uh, I, I realized that there's a vast difference in speed at the college game that I just didn't have. I, I, I had the hands. I did not have the speed. Those the, the other guys were so much faster. Than I was, but um, it, it's always had like a special place in my heart, right? Sure. The, the wide receivers and also Tyler Lockett. And that's why like every time his name pops up, it's like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put Tyler Lockett down. It's gonna happen, and I, it hurts me a little bit. But I want to be fair. And I want to be honest. I want to, I want to get that whole picture. Um, so, a really, that was the really long answer to probably what could have been answered really shortly. And you know, I, I've done it for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Um, and so, wide receivers, I feel. See, now you got me thinking. I need to go back in and look at the numbers again and see, like, do wide receivers really score more consistently, less consistently um, than running backs? Because I feel, and this is that feeling piece again, right. right? I feel like I get let down more by wide receivers than by running backs. And I feel like that's kind of baked into their position because they have more variables, sure. right? Right. Whereas the running back, you know, they have plenty of variables, but they don't have to deal with the quarterback throwing the ball and does is the pass, you know, is the pass in a position where they can make a play, not make a play. Is it a position where they're going to get like killed crossing the middle? Like there, there's so many more variables with wide receiver. I feel like it's more fun to dig into them sure. than some of the other positions. Um, but yeah, uh, 
I, 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 I try to attack all the f- like fantasy relevant positions. Where it gets really like for from that standpoint, like talking about, yeah, I guess really like the consistency of each position group is like when it comes down to determining a flex play or multiple flex mm-hmm. plays, right? Where because like yeah. for me, you know, coming up or you know playing football in the early two thousands or earlier or later, whenever you started. You know, running back, running back, running back, right? It's like that mm-hmm. old school model of take your running backs early and often and build depth. Yep. So there's that like feeling, right, of why <laughs> why it's easy to be like, if you have somebody that you can count on, I'm going to put this running back in my flex spot, right? Because I feel comfortable he's going to get whatever it is, 15 to 17 carries or touches. But as passing games have exploded everywhere and more people have shifted from standard scoring, which separate thing we should stop calling standard scoring standard scoring since really standard scoring is some (laughs) variation of ppr but as we've shifted more from standard scoring to either full point ppr or half point ppr never mind tight end premium formats etc etc but then you you have that feeling again of like (laughs) well maybe the smart play is i put this wide receiver in my flex spot right because if it's somebody with a decent market share a decent share of the targets on that team so that's something i'd be interested because i think really looking at like that median points per game across all position groups almost kind of helps become like a sort of de facto well here's how you want to sort like your flex rankings right like it's easier Mm -hmm. to figure out who your you know your studs are that are i'm going to throw these two running backs or these two or three wide receivers whatever your league format is but could i think really be helpful in differentiating between who out of your, depending again on league format, your potentially multiple flex spots, who you're going to throw in there. That's, I don't know. I, I guess everybody's got a different playing style of swing for the fences or find that consistency in your flex spot, like roster construct and all that is important. And, and you know, uh, a big variable in those sort of decisions, but it, it would definitely be an interesting factor that frankly, I've never looked at when making those sort of decisions that, will surely play into my thought process this year. Yeah. And I mean, what's, what's fun is I just did a quick little look at the median points per game for the top, um, the top 12 running backs and number 12 was James Robinson with 15 um, PPR points as his median. And for wide receivers, uh, your top 12, was actually Juju Smith-Schuster, which sometimes I get these numbers back, and and it's I was like, I feel like that's incorrect, and then I have to like go back to the numbers, and it's like, okay, I guess it's <laughs> it is correct. Um, <laughs> uh, was sixteen point three. So, and even looking at the top twenty-four, Tyler Boyd was at thirteen point six, and David Johnson. Um, was your top 24 in running backs with 12.6. So there actually is a little bit more consistency with the wide receivers and those top 24 spots. And I think what you're going to eventually get to, if we keep kind of diving down this rabbit hole, is going to be like, all right, well, if I'm starting two running backs, three wide receivers, and now I have two flex spots, who am I going to get? Because running backs now get so shallow, whereas yeah. wide receivers don't. 
And so even, and that's where, um, you know, looking at uh, interquartile ranges or looking at like a box and whisker plot, which actually says like, here's where their bottom 25% of games are. Here's where like 50% of their games fits in this box right here. And here's where 25% of his, their games are like their best, um, their top 75%, right? And so like those to me, I think are super helpful because it takes that median to one step further and it lets me know like, all right, on a, on a typical day, right, 50% of this player's games fit in this little box here. And certain players have a box that's huge, certain players has a box that's little, some players, their floor, and this is what I used to start looking at floors, is a lot higher than other players, right? So that that box of where 50% of their games fit into, it's a lot higher and that makes me feel a whole lot more comfortable starting them because I know that the bottom of that box, and I've, I've put it out a few times on Twitter, I'll be putting more of them out there. That bottom part of the box tells me, like, if that bottom part of the box is at, you know, 11 points, I can expect that over a season, 75% of this player's games are going to be over 11 points. And that's a you know, mathematical kind of way of looking at it. The part that becomes tricky, though, is right now, it's all speculation mm-hmm. about, well, how is this coach going to impact them now? Sure. How is how is this change in quarterback going to impact the running back, the wide receiver? How, what, um, you know, I, I see you wearing a Jets shirt today. Uh, I, I feel your pain at times. I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not a Jets fan, but one of my really, really close buddies is, and it's not an easy I, I feel, life. I, yeah, I feel pain <laughs> through him. Um, he, he's 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 a, a Jets, Mets, and Knicks fan, and oh, I mean, aside, aside from their playoff run t- this year, uh, he basically lives in pain all season long through sports. Ah, yeah, I'm Jets. I'm Jets, Knicks fan. My wife's a Mets fan. It's the kids aren't going to have it easy. That's yeah. it's not going <laughs> to be great, or or it's going to be. Great, like everything you know finds its middle ground at some point. And these yeah. teams are super good for a long time, which feels unlikely, but I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. This is a math but, show today, so yeah. maybe it all happen. I mean, but that's the thing is, even with all of the math, right? Math is all just a way of trying to comprehend what's happening in the world around us, right? Sure. Anytime, and that's and that's why I I hate. The film versus analytics argument is the sure. stupidest argument Very I've dumb. ever heard in my life because analytics is simply a way of trying to understand what's happening in the world around us. Even something as simple as like, oh, this running back got that many yards. Well, how do you know they got that many yards? Because it's on a spreadsheet somewhere? No, because somebody had to watch that <laughs> running back get five <laughs> yards and that's why it shows up in the stats. And so all math is just a way of trying to understand the world around us. And like, and that's why, you know, I try and always keep that in mind of like, yeah, I can look at median points per game from last year. I can, you know, I've created spreadsheets for myself that, you know, they start calculating average and median points per game, the interquartile ranges and all of that, you know, from 
excuse me, I started around week four because otherwise if you have two weeks of data, like who cares? Like sure. it's nothing. Yeah. Um, so right around week four, and even then I don't fully trust it yet because it's looking at the past four weeks, that fifth week, maybe it's finally an easy defense. Maybe it's a defense. Maybe it's, you know, oh, we just got our quarterback back and they're they're ready to take over and really, you know, lead the team. Like there's always going to be more variables that you're either not going to be able to account for in a single metric or you're going to get so specific in your in your parameters that it's going to become, you know, unnecessary data, right? When you're like, all right, well, this wide receiver, when they play in in six games or more, and their snap percentage is between 75% and 55%, and they get at least six targets, and then they <laughs> then they have at least one rush. And, like, once you get to that point, like, you've become so fine-tuned in the parameters of what you're looking at that you're not – you're it's not able to be like replicated moving forward. Right. right? And so it's constantly trying to find that, that balance and the same thing with film and analytics. And it's, you know, it's trying to figure out when we watch these players, what's popping out on the tape, when we watch them, you know, can, can we find metrics is a way of trying to say, well, can we quantify the thing that you are seeing? You're seeing this guy and you think he's super elusive. Can we quantify that? And that's where you get like PFF grades and stuff like that. And yeah, they probably are flawed in some way, shape or form, but what they're doing is they're trying to quantify something that they're seeing. Right. And unfortunately a lot of that stuff isn't as easy to do as, you know, just, well, how many yards did they pick up? Yeah. And, and even with that, there's still flaws in that. Sure. Because if, uh, oh, I forgot the exact way it's calculated, but like if somebody fumbles the ball and then somebody else picks it up and then moves it forward, you know, two yards or whatever it is, like the way that gets calculated, you could be like, well, that wasn't actually yardage that they picked up because of that. Or, you know, when you talk about even thinking of things like um, uh, quarterback, uh, passing yards, right? Well, how much of those yards were made up by yak? And that's sure. where we get things like a dot. And it's all trying to get better at quantifying what we're seeing. And that's where it's like, you know, I've had arguments for years and I'm, at this point, I'm probably going to stop just talking about it, but I've never thought that Tom Brady was the greatest like passer of all time. And that's like an argument that I've had. And it's like, you know, if, when I watch him play, he's great. He's probably the greatest quarterback to ever play in terms of accuracy within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. The only year where I actually remember and feel and feel like I saw him be a great deep ball passer is when he had Randy Moss, and I feel like I could have punted the ball down the field and Randy Moss would have been like, don't worry, I'll take it from here, and you suck at kicking. I got it. Touchdown. Um it's so like that's but that's where like it all meets and melts together, right? Is yeah. can we find a way to take what we're seeing on the field and the analytics and have them work together? Because you can't do both 
or you can't do one without the other, right? right? Yeah, it's, let me stop my rant there. <laughs> no, no, it's spot on. It's perfect, and I mean it's it's very true. And I think for a lot of people that like I have. And not like I've been doing any of this forever, right? Like I've been playing fantasy football for a long time and doing all that stuff. But as somebody like, you know, doing my own content and my own stuff like that, it hasn't been a short time. But I've always been somebody that I think has sided more on the, I feel confident and I can watch this and come to, you know, a, a good determination about where things are. But the the truth of the matter is and why it's silly, like the endless Twitter bickering mm-hmm. of, Film is right. No, analytics is right. Is because you really can't tell one without the other, right? Like yeah. the a couple minutes ago when we were talking about you know jarring differences in position groups, and I thought it was interesting that Juju Smith Schuster was the name that you had said because <laughs> go ask half of fantasy Twitter, right? They'll fade Juju. Yeah, Juju's done. Even though he's only twenty four or whatever he is, mm-hmm. he's sure he's on a one uh, you know one year deal with a quarterback with a bum arm at this point and he's got other weapons around him but if you asked the vast majority of people they probably put him significantly lower than Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool but mm-hmm. the numbers gotta tell some sort of truth right like and I yeah. think I'm probably higher on Juju than a lot of people and that's why this year specifically as the offseason's gone on even though it's not something that like I've tried to make it a point to get a little like out of my comfort zone to like okay we need. I need to do more with taking just the feeling out of it because it'll get you somewhere. But then as you kind of stat some of these guys out or project some of these guys out, you realize, oh, I'm either like wh- what I feel could be one thing, but either what I th- actually think is going to happen or what is likely to happen versus what actually happens down the road could be significantly different than what your you know gut reaction is i think calvin ridley even pre julio trade is a perfect example of that like i had long been a believer of like oh calvin ridley is an elite talent and then when i really even with julio there started to put down on paper or i guess not on paper in a google sheet (laughs) uh like what i expected to happen in terms of receiving work and target share and all those things it was like oh no, Calvin Ridley is elite. Like he's not very good. Like he's going to have an incredible season, I think. And that was before Julio gave up, you know, the 120, 130, 140 targets he would have commanded on a 17 game schedule. But yeah, it's, it's just interesting. I think for a lot of people, they get kind of siloed in the side that they've always been comfortable with and don't really care or, you know, uh, seek out the other side enough to, I mean, that's where you're probably really going to find your most success, right? Like sometimes it feels gross to have to get outside the comfort zone, like where you really think like, oh, I can kill it here. But I think um, for either side or for anybody, regardless of what side you're predominantly comfortable with, even getting like the most basic inclination of what's important on the other side just helps to tell the whole story. And I think that, you know, something like medium points per game is a really helpful metric that. I can't wait till you can victory lap it on Twitter. I really can't. <laughs> like, I can't wait till somebody else is saying it and we can, you know, post this I, I, show I, and you can retweet the article. Yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm so excited for the, you know, the slow move towards people being like, wait, this median thing could like really be a thing. Yeah. Um. But 
I, I don't need the victory lap. I, I would I would revel in it, but I don't need it. Um, <laughs> we'll do it for you. <laughs> okay. All right. That's all right. Um, what's interesting though is you mentioned you mentioned Juju, who I was like he was twelfth. Like you know, like in median points per game, he was twelfth. Um, Deontay Johnson was actually ninth. And when you look at their um, their numbers, they're almost identical. Yeah. And so what that means is, like, they're being brought down by a number of bad games. And so I, I, did, I did this with running backs, and I haven't done it with wide receivers yet, but I'm going to. Um, another thing that I do is I look at, well, what was the impact – of the player's best game on their average and what was the impact of their worst game on their average. And so I can get like, so if you, if you took out their best game, right, how does their average change? Like does their average drop significantly? If that happens, it means that their average is being pulled way up because of that one game. Right. And, and vice versa. If they, if their averages, you know, heavily brought down because of one bad game, then like those are all pieces that we can start putting into context of, you know, well, average points per game isn't perfect. It's just the, it's a part of the picture. It's not the whole picture, right? It's a part of the picture. And as we keep building, right, we can say like, all right, well, this player had a, like he had two bad games but other than that, like he was super consistent, and that that type of information doesn't get brought up in something like average points per game. It's a it's brought up a little. It's not brought up, but it's not impacted as much those two bad games on the median points per game. And when we start looking at like the interquartile ranges and things like that, it's even less impacted. But it provides you that that space to be able to see like wait a minute this player's consistency should actually be here because of these games and these you know outlier games yes we're we're still counting them and that's actually that's a pet peeve and i'll go on that rant in a minute but um like we're still counting them when we're looking at all of these different pieces, but we're trying to, we're trying to say, and we're trying to put it in context, right? Like if somebody comes in and has, let's say an Alvin Kamara five touchdown game in week 16. Yeah. They're going to have a really high points per game. They're going to have a really high finish because they put up 50 something points in a single game. Sure. And, the, and, and that's part of the fun, right, is not knowing when you're going to get that moment. But if you look at, like, I don't want to base my understanding of what's typical for a player based on outliers, positive or negative. Right. And I think too many people do that when they look just at points per game because the, the average points per game are so greatly skewed because of outlier games. And I can actually calculate that by going, well, what would their average be without that game in here? And some of those swing 
three points per game, four points per game. That's that's a significant change in average points per game. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I went off on a little bit of a side tangent there. But. No, it's great. It's great. It's great stuff. It's you're a, a smart guy, man. It's it makes a ton of sense and uh it's it's a important way to look at things for sure. So yeah. I, I think it's great that uh great that we got into all of it. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh yeah, go go out and read the article and let me know what you think. Yeah. And you know, I I feel like a lot of people um it 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 I hope it pushes them a little bit in their comfort zone. And that's what I want. Yeah, definitely. Because that little push in the comfort zone will open your eyes, hopefully, to something new. And that's and this is not to say that, oh, well, if you look at median points per game, it is the end-all, be-all, and that's the only thing you need to look at, and you're going to be golden. Right. No. That's just crazy talk. Yeah. No, but there is no one single thing that you can look at that captures everything. As much as, much as you know, the – the person that's on fantasy football trying to get like, all right, I got, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the shitter and I'm going to quickly <laughs> set my lineup. Like I gotta, I, I don't have time to go through everything. Like I get that. You want that, that one piece of information that's going to tell you like, okay, this guy play him. Right. But there, there isn't, it's very important to realize that, that does not exist. Exactly. What you have is you have a lot of different data points that will help you make the most informed decision. And even when you have the, you know, the information to make the most informed decision, we're still playing a game that is very much chance. Mm -hmm. And so even though I can sit at a blackjack table and go, the dealer is showing a six or a five or whatever else. And my hand is this and this. So the probability of the next card coming out is this. If I hit, I'm still a victim of random chance. And as much as people want to believe that they have the ability to say, no, 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 <laughs> I know what the right choice is. It's still a random chance. There's still, you know, built-in probabilities that work and play through this, right? There's things that we can't foresee. Yeah. There's the injuries we can't foresee. There's the, you know, it's a it's a game run by people. There's the, you know what? You pissed me off in practice this week. Have fun on the bench. <laughs> let's true. let's get this guy in. Like it's all run by people, and we can't we can't quantify we can't quantify asshole levels of coaches. <laughs> like like we can try to, and we can try and say like, well, you know, how much do they hate fantasy football? Well, how many times do they run an RBBC? Like yeah. how many times do they run in you know a running back by committee? Right now we're talking. Like, we can, this is the metric yeah, we now, need. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> one it's called percent <laughs> offense um <laughs> i'll send you a couple links yeah let's go <laughs> um but yeah like there, there's certain things that we can't quantify there's no there's no one statistic that's going to solve everything right yeah and that, this goes back to one of my very 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 beginning points in this right is it's not about being right all the time because that's that's never going to happen 
it's about taking the steps forward to make, um, taking, taking the steps forward to make better decisions, right? Like we started with total points per game, total points in a season. Then we moved to average points per game. I'm not saying get rid of average points per game, but I'm saying don't let that be your end all be all. Cause if average points per game is your end all be all average gets too heavily swayed by outliers. So here's another thing that we can look at with median points per game. And then what we'll, you know, we'll eventually get to a point where we can start saying like, this actually is what this player's typical game has been. Right. How much can we use that to foresee the future? Right. Like if we know, you know, if we know this basketball player shoots, you know, make 60% of his shots, we can kind of go. All right. I expect him to make 60% of his shots in his next, game right and that's how we take a little step closer and we get a little bit better at being able to say this player this player's typical game should be in this realm his range of outcomes fits into this little window could he do better than that i hope so if i'm if i'm if i'm starting him i hope so if my opponent's starting him then could he fall below that range of outcomes absolutely and i hope so like <laughs> but it's trying to it's trying to get better at finding those range of outcomes and being able to predict those range of outcomes and that's where median points per game really helps us out is by giving us that here's the range of outcomes that we can predict and that's how we take a step forward i love it man it's great if anybody is not following you on twitter they are missing out so please uh let them know where they can follow you and check out all your work again Sure. Uh, what's great is that's the question that uh, I, my co-host Pat will throw at me at the end of the show because he knows I'm rarely paying attention and trying to get like the music drops and stuff. And he'll like ask it and I'll be like, damn it, Pat, I never actually remember what it is. Is at FF, the at home dad. Um, because I started this all when I was staying home with my boys. And so, you know, it's it's been a, a labor of love for 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 years. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's great stuff, and uh, I look forward to seeing more. And congratulations on uh, – I'm, I'm back in. I'm back in on math. You did it. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, man. Well, I appreciate as some, it. As somebody that was a middle school math teacher for a couple of years, like that, that to did me your part. is like – <sighs> Somebody – Somebody appreciates me. <laughs> yes, we. I absolutely do. You guys do a, a, a very difficult a job that uh, unfortunately isn't appreciated as much as it should be a lot of times. So I appreciate you taking appreciate the time that. to to join me, and uh, I look forward to seeing what uh, what else you churn out over the rest of the season here. Oh yeah, I'm excited for the summer. Like I said, we got some more some more things lined up, some interquartile ranges, so we can. If you'll have me back, we Absolutely. can jump into that one, and yeah. we can actually look at some some more of the, the actual players. So, Let's do it, excited. man. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Thanks again to Seth for taking the time to join me on the podcast. Some really, really excellent insight into why median points per game make so much sense to use and uh, should be more considered and used more often when we're talking about a player's consistency and really how valuable they are uh, through the fantasy lens. So make sure to follow Seth on Twitter at FF, the at home dad. 
He does great work, like I said at the beginning, for Gridiron Experts. You can follow his podcast on Twitter at GXFantasyFacts. That's F-A-Q-S. Uh, really excellent stuff there, and we'll, we'll definitely have Seth back on. So next week, I have Matthew Betts on the podcast with me. Matthew's the injury expert for the fantasy footballers, uh, provides some injury updates for some of the, the notable injuries from last season and how that's going to impact these players for this season and beyond. And then after that, we'll have a one-week break, one week off before we jump into a really, really great list of guests that are going to join me on a week-by-week basis for sort of divisional breakdowns. So uh, next week, we'll have Matthew Betts on, week off after that, and then the divisional breakdown show is going to kick off. The following week, the first episode will be covering the AFC East with Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. So make sure to check out all of that stuff that's coming down the pipe. Uh, Appreciate all the support as always, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks.